you're tired of the standard business and marketing fundamentals, frameworks, and funnels, <laughs> you need a little mischief. Get ready to turn up the volume on the CEO Mischief Maker podcast, where you access conversations with seasoned business owners who have smashed through mindset barriers, innovated the standard boring business and marketing playbooks, and executed future-paced strategies with bleeding-edge tools and tactics to micro-fail their way into massive success and growth. We are Mindset Impact Strategic Catalysts, helping innovative entrepreneurs focus. We are CEO Mischief Makers. Ready to make a little mischief? It's Monday, it's Mindset, and it's MKJ. (laughs) Just made that up. All right, so... (laughs) I cannot wait to chat with this amazing gentleman, Matt Decino. I just met him about two weeks ago, a little bit less than two weeks ago at an incredible summit in Costa Rica, of all places. And uh, Matt, welcome to the conversation. I'm super excited to be here. So we start off with, you know, just in case there are people in the audience who don't quite know what you do or who you are, just give us a, a synopsis. What do you do? Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, that's great. I day job is I own an agency. So most folks know me in the marketing agency world. We have kind of been in a unique position where now we white label for over a thousand agencies and uh, serve over 30,000 end customers there. So our impact goes further than our actual name and reach, but that's my day job agency owner. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm a father of two. I've got a wife of eight years and I like to surf. Wow. Father of two, wife, and surfing. Yeah. Are you teaching your kids how to surf? Or are they old uh, enough That's yet? a great question. So oldest is two and a half. So it's not quite there. He's like, you know, not ocean ready in like a swim capability there. But what we do yeah. on calm days, we'll do like stand up paddle boarding and he calls that yeah. surfing. So he loves it. He says, you know, I surf with dad, dad but it's actually just stand up paddle boarding. So that's it. Hey, whatever you want to call it, it's all semantics. You're out yeah. on the water, you're on a board, you're, you're basically trying to keep your balance. You're good. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's surfing. That's what it comes down <laughs> to. It. I know. <laughs> that's it. If only I could do that. Yeah. Anyway. So Matt, all right. Agency and white label, and I'm sure you've done other things in your life. So yeah. what, what would you say is the biggest mindset shift you have had to make in your life to to get you to where you are right now because you'll be someone different in 10 years. So right now, looking back, what was the biggest mindset shift you experienced and how did you then put that into into practice to change your life? Yeah, I think the and some of us it's just an experience of getting like as we just grow older I've heard this most recently really well articulated in Simon Sinek's endless game or infinite game. I realized that was the mindset shift for me. It was kind of came down to this concept and then Parkinson's law, which I'll talk about, but it's that life. And so this is his articulation of it, but I I resonate so true. Life is this infinite game where you don't have the kind of like defined start and score that's kept. and, And part of it, it's true in business too. Life and business, these games where the purpose is to keep playing to maybe enjoy it a little bit more as you keep on playing. However, some of the things that naturally help us improve with like finite games where there's like, there's a score, we have this win or loss, we look back and reflect on the game footage. 
doesn't happen in life or business. And so that was a shift for me is kind of operating. It'd be so easy to do is sort of keep on just one foot in front of the other and time just kind of flies. It just kind of goes. And if you don't interrupt it or create these artificial constraints on whatever you're doing when it comes to life or business and artificial moments of reflection and evaluation and intentional improvement, it's very easy for the time to just go by and feel like you didn't you wonder why didn't I achieve as much as I wanted to achieve, or why didn't I grow to the size that I wanted to grow, or why why did I not have as much meaning as I was hoping to have, or purpose filled experiences in my in my day? And so that was kind of part of it. And then the Parkinson's law just says that like the work that we do expands to the space that we give it. And so that's kind of been this pairing is realizing this mindset shift from like just going and head down going to creating these false. I say they're false, but they're, like you think about it in life, there's nothing saying you have to look back and reflect. I think a common one for folks is like new year, right? We have a new year. And so what do we do? We stop and we reflect on the new year. We say, did I reach my goals? What did I achieve? Was it different from the year before that? And what do I want to do going, going forward in, in this kind of journey of, of business and life shifting from not intentionally having those moments of reflection or not intentionally having those constraints to, to really intentionally doing it. So now like, I try to do as much as possible. If I can do it daily, we definitely do it weekly and monthly. These kind of like stop and reflect over what what did we want to do? What did we want to achieve? What are the scoreboard things of life and business? And this, it can feel like an unemotional or like a distance approach. It really doesn't feel distance. Like whether, whether it's, what am I doing, you know, relationally, what are the things like, like now for our team? I, I write letters every week. And that's like a scoreboard that I keep for myself. It's like, what, what am I? That's relational stuff that it's not by accident that you have the connections and experiences that you sort of have. I think when we're younger, it just happens a little bit organically, but then you think like how, how fluid it is to go from like, you know, you get a little space from adolescence removed. You realize without a cadence that comes in maybe even like elementary school or school school gives us this cadence of like oh it's another year in adulthood it's like it just Mm -hmm. goes you know there's not as much significance in the seasons and so creating significance in these false constraints over like i just want to see what could i achieve in this period or i'm going to reflect every week and say what did i set out to do what would I call a win? what would i call a loss or what was what's the high what's the low and doing that more frequently has, has been a really rich experience. And then also it's accelerated so much of stuff that we've tried to do just because of this cadence of like what gets measured gets managed and what gets managed improves. So, yeah. Thank you for that. Because that's also in, in relation to your mindset. So once you had that epiphany, once you had that, that shift of, Hey, I'm on this hamster wheel and may not, it may not be a hamster wheel, but it kind of is, it just keeps going around. And yeah, the hamster wheel might move further along. It doesn't just stay stationary, but you're still rotating. It's just go, 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 go. Like you explain. And once you're on that, if you don't take stock, if you don't reflect, if you don't do all the things you were talking about, you will have no idea whether the wheel is going in the right direction, or if you're even making any progress at all to whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And I love the way you talked about school because that is so weird when you're, especially when your kids are young. So pretty soon they'll get into the school routine and then they'll get out of it. And then your life is no longer as a parent, your life is no longer ruled 
by school and the world opens up again, just like it did when you were in your twenties or when you got out of college or whatever. And, uh, I love that idea of being able to reflect. So thinking about that and that mindset shift of reflection rather than just go, how have you applied that? And how has that, how has that changed? I mean, you mentioned, I love what you talked about with relations because it is, it's the intention of that connection and contribution to someone else's life through reflection, right? Is that what you're saying when you were talking oh, about that's writing exactly, letters? That, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think one, one other way that I think it's played out is in like in my wife and I's relationship, we do this thing we call container time. And we actually learned it from someone else a long time ago, but the analogy they gave is like, if you imagine a happy, healthy, thriving relationship as like warm pasta or like, you know, delicious pasta sauce. And you like the ingredients. How do you make this great, delicious pasta sauce? And you're like, okay, I got my, we'll call it basic pasta sauce. I got my jar of pasta sauce <laughs> and I've got my bowl or my pot and then I've got a fire. And you might be like, if I've got a gallon of pasta sauce and a half gallon pot over the fire and I pour it, what happens? It overflows and it's a mess, right? Or maybe what if I didn't have the pot? I just take the pasta sauce, pour it on the fire definitely a mess. And I didn't achieve what I want. And then they say like, what if you had a two gallon bucket and then the one gallon pot and you poured over the fire, what do you got? And they're like, you no longer have a mess. They're like, well, no, it's still a mess. It's just contained. And so this is kind of in that space in that like reflection and, and for like that mindset shift of realizing we thrive with containers, with space, with margin, either to, to reflect, to think through what happened there. It also helps for relationally. And so that's kind of like a mechanism we have as a regular rhythm of intentional space that like for us, that's like, it's space for the mess. And so, especially with like little kids, like there's a lot of things that go wrong throughout the day and throughout the weeks. And it can feel like it just stacks up. And that's why it's easy to kind of like, you know, just you're more susceptible to being unkind to each other, or less considerate or, or consumed by your own frustrations or your pressures from all these things coming at you from all sorts of angles. And we found that giving ourselves set aside time in this space, this container time, which is what does that actually mean for us? It's like out of the house, no agenda and frequently happening. And we kind of alternate who leads it. So that means another person gets to decide like what's happening in container space. That means it might be, they're just going to like, talk out the other person and just get stuff off their chest. It might mean they're going to lead and ask questions, you know, whatever they kind of get us. We alternate setting the rules in that way, but, but that's one like way that the, the shift of realizing I need more containers in my life to give space because the mess doesn't go away. But if you have a big enough container for the mess, you can actually achieve what you wanted to achieve, that like delicious pasta sauce or whatever it might be. I love that analogy. And because it really is all chaos, life is chaos. You really have no control over anything but your own response to the chaos. And <laughs> that's it. Other than that, you have no control. So I love how you put that. Take that chaos, it's still going to be out there. But instead of letting it rule everywhere and go everywhere, contain it. And actually, then you can have some measure of control. You still can't, but at least you understand the boundaries, you understand what's happening, and you can you can understand your own reaction to it and how you can you can space, impact space it. For that reaction. Like yeah. you hear this so much of like giving people space. And we're so bad at giving ourselves space. 
Yeah. Right. Like you hear that, like in, yeah. in that conflict, like, oh, just give me space to react. And like that. I think it's good. That's healthy. Like we, we do better when we have more breathing room, we have more space to reflect and consider how we want to respond. And so, yeah. yeah. And then, so what do you think is coming next with this then? So you have this, this realization and this understanding, and you've been able to package it in your mind to be able to work with it and use this concept to make your life better and, and hopefully impact other people in your life. So usually a mindset shift, it doesn't just stop there. It actually presents you with the next mindset shift, right? The next thing that is going to change. Do you have any sense of what's the next thing you're working on to impact your life from a, a mindset perspective? Yeah, I, I think when, so it's kind of cool. So it absolutely does tend to like amplify or kind of like give you a little sense of clarity where you can see like that next, next step or next breakthrough. I realized in that going through life, this is another illustration someone else gave me. If like, imagine you're this ship going on the ocean and we oftentimes or tend to have these kind of invisible anchors. Like we don't realize something is an anchor to us and we're just like paddling harder. It's like, I want to go further. I want to go faster. And it's not a bad thing. That's like growing, maturing, whatever it is, achieving the results of things we want to achieve, but actually finding like, sometimes it's more impactful instead of like working harder <laughs> to like cut the anchor of whatever it might be. And so I'll, I'll say like one for myself, that's we're living into it this year. I've realized just the personality dynamic between myself and my wife. I'm the entrepreneur and I love risk. Not every entrepreneur is this way, but I'm like the risk loving entrepreneur. My wife, not entrepreneurial not <laughs> and not risk loving whatsoever. <laughs> so we balance each other in that way. And so, but I've realized I almost like temper a lot of parts of myself. Some of it's like a reflection too of my parents and, and those sort of things where I like am very intentional to gut check some of the things that come natural to me, but I've just seen them kind of destroy. So that, that's a good example, like a loving risk. I've seen it go off the cliff. And so I'll naturally kind of inhibit or temper these things that maybe you're like giftings for me, but I've just seen, you know, the over or maybe the reckless expression of this gift can create kind of destruction. And I've been wrestling with this for, for years, being completely debt-free. So we still carry debt on our house. And I've just known it's like, it is a bad fiscal decision. So we, we're out there and it's funny too, because we carry debt on like investment properties, but I don't feel weird about those because like that's an yeah. investment property. If it disappeared yeah. or if something crumbled or whatever it is, it was like, it was yeah. always an investment. There's something about, I've realized for myself of like the primary residence. And I think it's tied to this of like me feeling like I need to temper myself because like the true worst case scenario is like, I could run it over a cliff and my wife and kids, we could, you know, be uprooted from, this, yeah. from their yeah. home or the, the yeah. stability and residence and kind of stuff like that. And so and, and it was finally this year where I've given myself permission to basically do something that I know is a bad fiscal decision, but I actually think it's been this kind of like invisible anchor for me feeling like I can't play all out and the things that I like to play in because of fear of, of what, what the worst case scenario of all things going wrong could be. Yeah. So that, that's something I've, we're not there yet. We still have, have debt on it, but like we set the goal of like this year, we're paying it all off. And so we're past halfway through the year. And so, but we're, you know, repositioning and reorganizing things and uh, doing something like, I know everyone's gonna say that's a horrible 
financial decision. I'm like, but it's not for me. It's a behavioral yeah. decision. And yeah. I, I kind of am excited to experience what it might feel like without this invisible anchor. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. My husband and I are the same temperaments. I am absolutely risk. I'm, I'm so in for anything new. I'm an absolute futurist and I, I jump. If it, it's a gut check and if it's something like, oh my God, this is amazing. I jump. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what's happening. I don't care whether it's fully on or not. I mean, I've done this with software programs. I just love it. And I am absolutely, I love risk. I love that excitement. My husband is a tax accountant. (laughs) Says it all. No risk whatsoever. And so we've battled, I've battled this. He hasn't. I've battled this. And really, truly, I'm going to be honest here. I mean, We've been married 39 years and I've been an entrepreneur for almost 20 of those years. God, almost half. I just realized that. Anyway, so during that time, I really used to think that because he he questioned or didn't support or asked questions and and really was like, are you sure? Maybe not, those kinds of things. I would take it like, you don't, you don't trust me, you don't, you don't believe in me. I would tie that belief in myself to his questioning with risk. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and I've totally worked through that and went, it doesn't matter. Really. That's not the issue. I look at it now as he is walking along our path together with concrete boots and he's holding onto the, the string of my balloon and I'm up in the balloon. Uh-huh. And sometimes the balloon gets so filled with well, let's be honest, hot air, but sometimes it's not hot air. Sometimes it's helium. Sometimes it's cash. Sometimes it's whatever. But anyway, it gets so filled that it actually is, is buoyant enough to lift him off a couple of inches, the ground and carry him along. But most of the time he's walking along, holding on to me, keeping me grounded. And that works for me. That's the way I look at it. But I love when you said that it doesn't mean that some of these mindset shifts have to be accepted by other people to be correct or to be viable or to be the right thing to do. It really is an individual choice and it is your path. It is your adventure. You guys get to choose. Same thing with my husband. He is contrary to most people. He's like, no, if you get cash, instead of going investing it in the stock market or whatever, put it in a savings account. Yeah, I know that's not what people agree with, but (laughs) I mean, to some extent, he's talking about keeping cash. He's not talking about putting every ounce of everything in an investment, keep some liquid. And you have to decide what that is for you. You can't accept what everyone else says because then it's not your mindset shift and you're not living your life. So, wow. Thanks for being honest in that one. I know that's a difficult one, but yeah, we're real close to doing the same thing. So I I agree 100%. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, all right. Next, we're going to take this whole mindset idea and we're going to dive into your impact, and how you've innovated some of the standard practices. So, all right, CEO Mischief Makers, you know, this is Monday. Come join us again on Wednesday, and we're going to dive deeper into this with Matt, and I hope we see you there. Okay, hold on. If your mindset was shifted, you were inspired to innovate, and you were spurred into action, don't just move on with your day. Focus, my friend, and take a few minutes to visit ceomischiefmaker.com to learn more about the value that was shared with you today. Please act now. 
and create some CEO mischief of your own. 